Hey, hey, Jake. What? What do you call a bear that's lost all of its teeth? Uh, what? A gummy bear. Gummy bears. No? no? Bouncing here and there and everywhere. Welcome to the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Stephen Dutzman and I am your host. And this week I am joined by three whole people. It's crowded in this Skype call. First, I am joined by my permanent co-host, Amanda Farrow, the Princess of Power. How are you, my friend? I am, no, I'm pandemic terrible, but I am glad to be here, if nothing yes. else. Yes. This is the highlight of my week, as always. That, well, I am glad that you are here. I am also joined. This is this is this is going to be an interesting week because it's a video game week. I know I promised board games last week, but we had some content was released on the internet that was like super important that we just needed to just swap the whole schedule around. So we have a special guest, but we're bringing back our board game co-host, Linda, who is Amanda, the mistress of magnificence. Otherwise mom. known as mom. <laughs> and she is here because she has the education chops because I'm just a dude who yells about video games on the internet. And we're talking about education stuff. So we thought we'd bring the teacher because the three of us are joined by Carrie Engel, who wrote, uh, co-wrote a paper called Learning with Digital Games, a Guide for Educators and Parents During the COVID-19 Crisis. Carrie, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, the Fire Nation is not personally attacking my home as Amanda's. Um, so, you know, not too bad. Yeah, I mean, way to listen to the podcast before you came on and know the brunt, because I completely, as I was going, remembered, did I tell her about the Fire Nation thing? Um, thank you. Um, the Fire Nation is not attacking all of us, um, but That's it is attacking the, yeah, well, you know, I'm sorry. It does suck. That's okay. But, but you wrote, you co-wrote, Carrie, this amazing paper that all three of us have been like digging through and really kind of, you know, grabbing at for like, I sent it to them on Thursday. I was like, you know, maybe we should prep for this one. Sometimes you fly, <laughs> I, we just fly by the seat of our pants inside baseball. Sometimes I don't prepare at all. Um, y- y'all know that, obviously. But this one, I was like, no, we should prepare. And so we're going to talk all about how you came about the decision to write this paper, you and your co-author, and we'll go into some of the games because I think it is super cool, and obviously there will be a link to it in our show notes and a blog post on EngageFamilyGaming.com authored by you because you just sent it to me five minutes ago. Awesome. I'm so happy to be here. This is going to be exciting. Yeah, this is your first podcast, you said. Yes, I am a podcast newbie. Um. Don't worry about it. So am I. So it's fine. But you've been listening to podcasts. Um, do you have any other podcasts other than mine, which is amazing? Um, any others that you uh, that you like to, to give a listen to? Um, my two favorite video game news podcasts would be What's Good Games, um, hosted by an all-women cast. So that's always exciting. And then Triple Click, which uh, used to be Kotaku Split Screen, but they kind of branched off and are doing their own thing. So that's kind of where I get my video game news. And then just, you know, all the other stuff sure <laughs> sure 
Uh, I am also an avid listener and Patreon supporter of What's Good Games. I love those ladies. Um, I have bumped into one of them once. That's a show for off the air, but I almost took uh, Brit out at E3. We were running through the hallways and, like, crashed through doors, and she's high energy, as you can imagine, and it was basically like a fighting game match. And then I didn't realize who it was until she was like, down the edge. It was pretty funny. Um, It's fine. I wouldn't have fought her. She'd have kicked my butt. Um, So, yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts, too, but I produced this one alongside these two wonderful co-hosts. But, you know, we wouldn't be able to do it without our sponsors, um, both of which are Amanda. So the first one is uh, Ready Player Mom, which is the mixer stream. You're currently every Wednesday taking down Teddy Roosevelt. You even have oh, yeah. a T-shirt. Operation Wreck and Teddy. You even have a T-shirt. Operation Wreck and Teddy. You have merch. How crazy is it that Ready Player Mom's Reckon, Operation Wreck and Teddy has merch before Engaged Family Gaming does? That's just because you're more motivated than I am. Um, it's also because I have a background in graphic design, but don't tell anyone. I mean, there's that. That helps. Uh, also, sponsored by the Virtual Economy Podcast, which is a business podcast hosted by Amanda and Mike Futter. And y'all talk about all like the nerdy stuff. So if you hear what we want, what we talk about, and you're like, you know, I want to know how that gets paid for, <laughs> go listen to you them, talk to us. and they'll talk yeah. all about it virtually. Um, yeah, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about financial quarterlies. We're gonna talk about term sheets. We're gonna talk about activist investors. We're gonna go deep and talk about things like The Last of Us Two and maybe why you shouldn't cover leaks. I mean. Yeah, well, you did that last week already. You don't have to do it yeah, again. We don't. We have a really, like, we have the next four weeks planned out. They are excellent weeks. So definitely check us out. We are, it's usually every Thursday that we're releasing new episodes these days. We're fairly consistent now. Because you so. figured out how to do it. You figured out how to make it happen. The only it. way I make it happen is I have you guys yell at me to actually show up on time. And... And then I have a brilliant producer who has who has put up with me for almost 220 episodes. So now that we are done talking about our sponsor, otherwise known as Amanda, let's go around the horn. Um, I'm going to go first because I want to talk about Streets of Rage. Do it. I don't like it. <gasps> really? Um, okay. Wait, the monster like just said he doesn't like something? No, because here's the Interesting. thing. Interesting. Here's I'm the thing. Stunned. Here's the thing. <laughs> Um, it's really hard. Oh, yeah. And so this is what it really comes down to. Yes, I am an unmitigated hype monster. It was free on Xbox Game Pass. So Mm -hmm. obviously we downloaded it within seconds. And so, I mean, it's just really hard. Because the other thing we talk about, and Carrie, you know this, because you're... You're basically family now that you listen to the podcast. Um, I'm hilariously bad at video games. And Streets of Rage 4 is not a video game that is made for people who are hilariously bad at video games. Uh, It is not for the faint of heart. Now, is it absolutely gorgeous with its hand-drawn animations and its cool backgrounds and, like, its funny character designs? Absolutely, yes, it is. Is it deliberately a retro throwback to, like, old-school brawlers? Yes. Is it what I want to play right now? Yes. But I just, it made me very angry. Like, I, I, 
vigorously placed my controller on the couch. I don't want to say I threw it because then that would get me in trouble with the general. She doesn't like throwing controllers because they're like 80 bucks. But I vigorously placed my controller on the couch and said, you know what? I think I'm good. Um, Right? That is that okay? Is it okay to vigorously place my controller on the couch as opposed to throwing it? Yeah. Is that a... All right, good. That's perfectly understandable. Thank Just you. Don't throw it, especially if it's an elite controller. No, I would Yeah, I I got one of those. Um, so it's so it's so pretty. I mean, the hand drawn animation is so cool. The character designs are neat. Uh, the, I mean the, yeah, I, I just. It's heckin' hard. It's heckin' hard. I've played the the demo and I've gone through two different demos at both PAX and E3. Game is hecking hard. Yep. So I hear you. I feel this deep in my bones. Yeah, it was tough. With that said, I don't necessarily like it because I'm terrible at games. But I suspect that if you like brawlers and are either not terrible at games or okay with that and just fine experiencing it, it's free on Game Pass. So I don't necessarily not recommend it to anyone. And that's gonna like a weird position where it's like, I'm never going to play this video game again. I'm good with it. But I still think it's worth a shot. Is that what do you what do you guys think about that like emotional space where it's like I still think I could recommend this to someone. It's just vigorously not for me. Well, it also depends on I think where you are in your life. I remember, you know, as a kid, you ha- you have a lot more time to really practice something and master something and that can be a really exciting moment when you've finally gotten that down but sometimes as an adult we don't have as much time to devote to that so if it's if the learning curve is just too steep i think it's okay to rage quit streets of rage that's pretty that's well put that's well put and you said you've never been on a podcast before that was just succinct that was that was more clear than any description i've given for anything in 220 some odd episodes so thank you carrie um, we should have you on more often. You could do. You could just take my seat. Um, okay. So rage. So yes, I rage quit Streets of Rage. Um, yeah, I mean it's fine. It's it's fine. My kids are gonna play it. I'm sure they're gonna enjoy it. You know what else they've been playing? And this is not what I told you about before. But my son has been playing Gato Roboto. <gasps> I love Gato Roboto. Well, of course you love Gato Roboto. It's a kitten that gets in a mech. Yes. Um, is what I say. Uh, yes, it's a it's a cat that gets in a giant mech suit and like goes around Metroid levels with a gun. It's 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 pretty. I have not played it myself, but it's been very entertaining. Um, so uh, so Carrie, yeah, you when because I tweeted at you after I after your content found its way to me. Thank you to the good doctor Regina McMenemy for seeing it and sending it to me. Uh. You know, you, you you and I talked a little bit, and you were like, "Yes, I I have been listening to your podcast and enjoying the content about Animal Crossing because I love Animal Crossing." So, um, if I may, would you like to talk about how many hours you put in, or do you want to talk about how many bells you have spent on your loans? Which of those is the is the least embarrassing number? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have all of the upgrades um, to my house, but I haven't paid off my basement because why? Um, but I have put in over 200 hours, which is not as much as some of my friends. So I feel like I'm in the clear. <laughs> Listen, man, it's a good video game. That's not um, as much as I put in as well. Mm-hmm. And, and 
during this, uh, during the Fire Nation attacking, it definitely is a different scenario. I think that they intended it to be played. Um, I did play New Leaf, and that I kind of would play a little bit just here and there, you know, a little bit after work. But now it's a lot easier to just kind of pull aside and take a break during the day. Yeah, they definitely did not plan for this. And I think the game is already showing the strain because they weren't ready for... Man, this game was intended for appointment gaming, right? Like, when we talked about this on the show when it was announced, Amanda, right? Like, we talked about, oh, this is going to be great. You can play for, like, a half hour a day. It's going to be perfect for, you know, adapting from, like, mobile gameplay where it's like, oh, I only play this game for, like, 20 minutes and then I stop and then I go in. They were not ready for people who have no jobs right now because they physically can't leave their homes to play for 13 hours a day. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I have not put that much time in. <laughs> largely because I went back and resubscribed to World of Warcraft. Uh, if I, if it wasn't for that, also three switches and five people that want to play it kind of hurts that. Um, so, but what, what do you when you say why pay off your basement? Why is that? Is it just because you don't need to? I, that this is end game stuff that I've never uh, that I'm just don't, I don't know that I'll ever understand. There's there's no further upgrades once you pay off your basement. So I think that once you pay it off, it's like two and a half million bells to pay it off. And then once you do that, you get free customizations to your house, but mm -hmm. it only costs 5,000 bells to customize it. So like how many times are you really going to customize your house to get your two and a half million bells worth? I'd rather just put in some more bridges and inclines or go shopping. That's sure. Fair. Sure. Um, so I've been trying, I started and I've, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't turned animal crossing on ever since um, animal talking went on started on YouTube. Like basically, I had this dream that I was going to build a podcast studio in my in the basement or in the side room of my Animal Crossing house, and that I was going to have Amanda come over and we we're going to record a cute podcast. You know, talk in in my and, and then Gary Witta, that bastard, decides to come on this, and I mean that with love, but he would be okay with it, I'm sure. Um, comes in basically makes me look like a fool, and now I just can't even turn the game on i'm just oh bud uh mainly that's the excuse mainly it's because until may 18th you get double reputation gains in world of warcraft so i'm i'm focusing but man um my priorities. kids but it's priorities <laughs> linda's like wow dork <laughs> um dude i've known you for almost 20 years nothing surprises me at this nothing point. surprised me you've seen me linda has seen me freak out over dropping literal popsicle sticks underneath a cabin. She's seen me it's like true. in tears because of that. So um, we LARP, Carrie. That's the that's the joke there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm that I'm that level. So if you want to, and I you mean, dragged you, me into yeah. that level. So it's I did. Fine. I did. So <laughs> I'm next. you are next. You are next. Uh, when we finally can hold events, <sighs> Fire Nation. So. Um, so with with Animal Crossing, do you have like a theme for your island? And this is a question for the the whole panel. Like, how are you going about decorating your island? And do you have to share it with anyone, Carrie? This is a real important question. Are you sharing it with anyone, or are you by yourself? I am sharing it. My husband and I are sharing it, and we're actually having a good experience. And um, I think what uh, makes it a good experience is that I am the Animal Crossing fan, and he is just a casual observer who probably wouldn't play under different circumstances. But it's kind of nice because then he's really invested in it. So when I'm talking his ear off about like, 
oh, what if we put a little pizza cafe over here? If we decorate this villager's garden this way, he's actually invested and helps me um, curate some of that. But I'm, I don't have a huge super theme. I'm not the most creative person. I'm just kind of winging it and having a good time. Awesome. Amanda, do you have a theme? Outside of the fact that you need every article of clothing that they code into that game. I mean, yes, of course. And also, I get all the pro patterns that I... The pro designs. I'm very into downloading pro designs. Did I send um, you the Yuna and Titus ones yet? What? No. <laughs> I thought I did that. <laughs> no. um, I'll get. I'll find those. You need to text that to me. It needs to go on my Pinterest board. I have an Animal Crossing Pinterest board of inspiration. It's like Animal Crossing inspo. Um, I get real excited about it because I really like outdoor spaces in my game. It's been inspiring me to, you know, zhuzh up the outdoor spaces in my house. Um, so anyway, the, the theme of my island is I'm, I'm looking to strike that balance between har like the, the harmony between having a bunch of nature, like there's flowers everywhere. I have a, you know, I have a grove of my fruit trees. I've got a playground, a basketball court. I've got a cafe. So I'm trying to make it super accessible so that when people come to my island, the first thing that they see is they see these beautiful flowers, this waterfall. My house is right there, um, and it's gorgeous. And then there's the cafe. So it, like I'm trying to make it very friendly for my visitors. So it's striking the balance between um, very natural and cozy. Cool, cool. Um, the fact that you were immediately able to like jump into a, like a. 30 second to a minute long description of your island's aesthetic is probably the most Amanda thing I've ever experienced. Like you were just, just ready. I know. Um, I feel like we need to, I I feel like we need to make that like a pull quote and just have that be the advertisement for the episode. Like, are you ready for more of this? Um, (laughs) Got stuff about animal crossing. That's right. Um, it's it's it, absolutely so yeah man animal crossing is it is really good i'll I'm, I'm gonna play it you know who's been really figuring out how to play the game is my daughter of course who is uh this is this is obviously her first like real animal crossing she played new leaf a little um but she's finally figured out to so in the beginning she didn't want to she just wanted to spend money on like clothes and like stuff. So she just bought everything and just like dropped it on the ground. But then she realized like, and I don't know what flipped the switch, but then all of a sudden she was like, Oh, so like I can have more storage in my house if I pay it off. And then immediately she just went on like a, just a fire sale and just being like, Nope, I don't think I'm ever going to need that. And just sold everything. And it, and so now all of a sudden she's like crazy paying Tom Nook to try and get this giant house and every, and it's very interesting to watch her like all of a sudden learn how to, that, that money has value. Like it's a really weird, like and this transformation took, took place over the course of like two days where it was like a real good face. He's got (laughs) where it was like, Hey, Hey bros. Could you come back? I don't know. I'm getting ready to text him. Like, yeah, pulling out my phone right now. Let's see if he freezes before I get a text. I'm out. here. Oh, there it is. You made there you are. You I'm here. What's funny is y'all never froze for me, but I froze for you guys. Um, thankfully, I'm talking you. right into my microphone. Can you not see me again? You're okay. Now okay. I can see you. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> okay, good. So, yeah, Maggie all of a sudden learned economics. Is the the moral of that story? She. 
was spending and spending and had nothing every day and was trying to beg her brothers for money. And now all of a sudden she's obsessed with it and just wants to pay off her loans so she can have this giant house. It's very interesting. Uh, I don't know if it'll carry over to real life, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. And Evan has figured out the stock market. Oh, hi. Now he's just all in on the stock market. This is the first week that I haven't done turnips. And I have been making like millions in a week. I think I made like a million bucks last week. Oh my word. Well, that's because you, you have you, you've been using your internet connections and finding people that have like 600, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, what can that's I say? What it, that's I what have it's a for. Contacts. That's what it's for. Um, next time you find somebody with like 600, could you let me know and introduce me so that I could have, so that we could, I could send Evan over. Uh, he, so anyway, stock market, I feel like we need to write like a guide for it. <laughs> um, I can write that guide. Um, I would love you to, but you've been, you've indicated that you are very busy. So I'm trying to avoid giving you more work, but if you have a moment, please, yes, I will happily take guides for uh, a little website. You might've heard of it called engagefamilygaming.com. <laughs> so, um, and so you said something before we go off of Animal Crossing, and I know people that listen to this podcast and don't play Animal Crossing have got to be like, oh, my God, I hate these people. But we're going to do this because you said something that I thought was really interesting. You likened Animal Crossing to an MMO. <laughs> and you likened it, and I was like, wow, that's such a good idea. I'm just going to de- declare it as truth because somehow I'm the arbiter of such things. What makes you think that? It's very um, geared towards logging in daily. If you know between the Nook Miles Plus daily quests, being able to acquire things that are seasonal because you will miss things if you aren't logging in during certain time periods. If you wait too long, Steve, I hate to tell you, when you log in, your villagers might be passive aggressive towards you if you haven't seen them in a while. Well, the, yeah, the only good thing is I am a I am the second citizen on my oldest son's island, so I'll be safe. He's been playing regularly. That's good. That's good. Um, but yeah, and then it's all just kind of about having a little bit of stuff and then playing the game in order to acquire more impressive gear to impress your friends and then using that to continue turning it around and inviting people over is really just how hard can you flex about gold roses and big houses. And so. All right. Some good flexing. That's you're not wrong. I mean, I love that you called them daily quests because I thought that I was being super innovative when I referred to them as that. And my kids were like, dad, they're, they're nook miles plus. I'm like, no guys, they're daily quests. I've been, I've been doing this for a long time. So, um, so again, that, that'll that'll button that'll kind of button up our Animal Crossing talk for today, and at least for next week because next week is board game week. But we'll probably still find time to bring it up. Um, Amanda, a game came out literally today. Literally today, which is Tuesday for those of you who are wondering what day it actually is. Um, it's called Wintermore Tactics. And so I was watching the trailer for this game because you and I both got the same press release email, mm-hmm. I'm presuming. And uh, <laughs> I thought immediately, I was like, this is the most Amanda game I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then we There's came in and we were preparing yes. and you were like, wow, I bought this game. And I was like, yes. So tell us about Wintermore Tactics. 
So I had a chance to check out the Wintermore Tactics Club demo when I was at PAX East, the very last video game conference to ever exist at the moment. <laughs> thank you, uh, Fire Nation. Thank you, Fire Nation, for attacking. Um, so what I really... So the general gist of things is that you are playing as this girl and you are a part of this club that is like a D&D &D club essentially at this at this charter school and this D&D &D club is like there are two different parts of the game there's like this narrative portion of the game where you got to go around and talk to people and figure out what's going on with your club and you have to deal with like bullies and I think that these kids are like in either middle school or in high school or something like that but it is super cute it's really wholesome I love the art I love that the the actual like combat portion of the game is very it's grid based tactics which anytime somebody says hey I got this game for you and it has strategy and it's also an RPG and I'm like chef and give me my controller <laughs> shut up and take my money which is exactly what I said today when I gave Steam my money um but yeah, it's a it's a super cool game. I really I really liked the demo, and I have had my my eye on this game, and I didn't know when it was coming out. It just said like spring, two thousand and twenty, and I'm like, okay, well that could be like next year at this point. I don't even know anymore. So yeah, I'm really excited about this game because I love tactics, I love strategy, and I love like weird narrative games. And I feel like they just smushed them all together into a game and then presented it to me and said, hey, look, we made a Amanda, we made this game for you. That's so. That's so. They nice. did. They were like Amanda Farrow, Princess of Power. We're making a game for that chick. Right at the top of the design document, it was like game it's gotta for be. Amanda. Game so for Amanda. The thing that that Amanda didn't mention that I think is is super key, but it's like a subtle detail, is that the 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 whole thing is about a snowball fight. It is. It's about a snowball 100%. fight. So. Yeah. But in their heads, they are imagining themselves as their Dungeons and Dragons characters. Yes. And the and I have wanted to play a strategy game about a snowball fight for years. And Linda, you've I don't know if you saw it. I posted this on Facebook a number of times. I've said, hey, any of you out there looking for a real winner of a game idea, make a real time or turn based strategy game about a snowball fight, like a neighborhood snowball fight. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. And I guess this is the closest we're going to get. But tell me that wouldn't be cool as as gamers. Like a real time strategy game about like a bunch of kids in the neighborhood like participating in a snowball fight. Picture like Gears Tactics, but it's like the crew from Recess. Oh uh, yeah, it, that is throwing exactly snowballs it. at each other. Yes, that's, that's the a game. Brilliant way. That is a brilliant way to describe Gears this. Tactics I love with that. Recess. Send tweet. Send. Um, that's the tweet. That's the tweet. I that just did it. Really fun. Um. Right. And then we'd be it's able to really cool. Um, and so that's that's really what this feels like to me. Uh, I am also gonna grab it, so we'll ch we'll chat about it because I think it is super neat. Um, that is Wintermore Tactics. Is it Wintermore Tactics Club? It's Wintermore is... Tactics Club. Oh, okay, I didn't know if Club was in the And you can find that on title. Steam. It is current. Oh. off for launch. Let me double check. Yes, it is ten percent off for launch. And how much is it? 
It is normally fourteen ninety nine. It is currently thirteen forty nine. Okay, guys, for real, it's fifteen dollars for an interesting kind of quirky tactics role playing game on the PC. And guess what that means? That means it is inevitably coming to Switch within the next year or so. So, um, yeah. So or I'll buy it again. Where where you'll definitely buy it again, or where I'll be able to recommend it again because that's what you know. That's what we do. Okay. So, um. We went around the horn. Linda, your boys playing anything good while you're uh, stuck in the house with them? I know they've been doing their Zoom karate classes. They have. They've been doing the Zoom karate. They have been Minecraft like crazy. They are just yeah. going to town and building all kinds of fun things. They found some new um, YouTube videos that had things. They're explaining it to me in its words, and I don't really understand, but I'm actively listening and, and, and you know, doing, uh-huh, uh-huh, but okay, you know, like, Active so, listening. I mean, I'm actively listening. I have no idea what they're talking about, um, but they're very excited, and, you know, so that's what they've been really focused on, and then um, John's been doing the Final Fantasy, so I've been watching him play that a bit, so. Isn't it pretty? It's really pretty. I'm shocked it's a teen game. Yo, because it's, wow, well, we had a whole podcast about yeah, I this. I know you did. We had a whole podcast <laughs> about this. I'm shocked it's a teen game, too, as it turns out. <laughs> no, but you know what? You know what happens when you tweet about that? People get mad. They do. Um, I, they get real upset. What are you going to do? Um, I tweeted about do. the language when the demo came out, and a bunch of people got all up in my mentions. And it has that doesn't happen to me very often. Normally, I'm pretty innocuous, but man, there were some people up in my mentions about censoring their art. And why should I tell them? I'm not trying to tell them that they can't. I'm just saying it should be a rated M game. It's y- y'all are cool. I'm worried about my teenager here. Um, and then again, I, I, obviously, I'm gonna let Evan play it because whatever he hears swears. But anyway, we had a, we talked all about that. Um, so, Linda, did you guys know that Engage Family Gaming has a Minecraft realm? I vaguely remember that from ages ago. Um, I'm we should we should tell them we should that. remind them of that and get them playing on our realm because you know we have a Minecraft the, realm. The, the directions for you know non-savvy parents with the. I'll just get, we'll just get Evan and Isaac on the phone and they'll figure it out. It's fine. I'm sure, if you just tell we'll them it's a realm, here's the whatever they'll yeah they'll do the thing yeah they'll they'll do do the thing thing. so we went around the horn we talked about a lot of games but we've got some big news to talk about which is literally why carrie is here um (laughs) she did some great work so let's take a break and then we will come back and uh she's going to regale us with her incredible expertise and knowledge sound good that sounds like all right we'll be back Hey everybody, this is Steve, I'm the host. If you like listening to this podcast, you probably like some of our other content too. You can find that all over social media, so make sure to head over to facebook.com slash engagedfamilygaming. Perhaps you might like to see some stuff on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash E-F-G-A-M-I-N-G or maybe you just want to head on over to Instagram and look for Engaged Family Gaming there. See you later, guys. Bye now. Welcome 
Welcome back to the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. It is still episode 219. I'm still Steven. I'm still here with the Princess of Power, the Mistress of Magnificence, and Carrie Angle, our resident expert this week. So, Carrie, you and I met on Twitter because you and, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this last name. Is it? Is it? Shaw. Shaw? Oh, okay. Shaw? Okay. Shaw. Shaw. And you guys wrote a paper called Learning with Digital Games, a Guide for Educators and Parents During the COVID-19 Crisis. And it's amazing. There's a link to it in the show notes. But why did you do that? So we were actually working on a larger uh, project that we um, were about halfway through that's going to be a more comprehensive list designed towards educators. So it's got a lot more content, a lot more information. And then during the Fire Nation attack, um, there's just been so many people, you know, between friends and family who have been talking, seeing people on Facebook, Twitter, just everywhere talking about parents that are trying to homeschool children while they're also working full time. I have an infant at home, so I'm not dealing with the homeschooling part, but it's a lot for families to juggle. And we thought that we really needed to put something out that was dedicated more towards parents. Um, it also does reach educators as well. So we kind of wanted to make sure that we were reaching both of those um, audiences with this. Yeah, and it does. And it did just within the three of us because we have both parents and an educator. Boom, <laughs> mission accomplished. Um, Nailed so, it. <clears throat> so you've been working on a bigger project. So just at one point you were like, hey, we've got this database. I asked if you had a sweet spreadsheet and you said that you didn't, um, which the spreadsheet lover in me was a little hurt, but I understand why it wouldn't have worked. Um, so you had th- this data already. So mm-hmm. it must have felt pretty good to be able to just immediately be like, hey, check this out. Let's just grab 50 pages of stuff and make it happen. Yeah, and it, we definitely had to um, tweak a lot of the blurbs and things. As I mentioned, the other project is a lot more comprehensive. Sure. So this one, we wanted it to just be quick because Again, as parents who were working full-time, we also knew that parents don't have time to really sit down and search for games online, or educators who are home doing remote learning are also sometimes parents themselves, and so they might not have the time to go searching for these things. So a comprehensive, or a, a list of games that they can just quickly point out and find exactly who it's targeted towards, uh, what the game looks like, what skills it's uh, addressing, and then also we were very big on making sure that parents would be able to know if it's a supported play, guided play, or independent play, so that they would know, is this something I can just put my kid on when I have a meeting and they're not gonna need me, or is this something you're sitting down and enjoying as a family on the couch? And I don't know about Amanda and Linda, but I really appreciated that distinction, because that's something that, as someone who talks about games for families to play together, that distinction of like supported, et cetera, like I had never put that into words and I, I am comfortable saying that I'm going to use that mm-hmm. regularly because uh, you put into words very succinctly something that I just hadn't been able to kind of put out there, which is why you're the expert and I'm the, the dude who yells into a microphone. Um, and so this game, so this list, I went through it before I even tweeted it, you guys, I was like, this is the, this is the coolest thing. Um, how has the reception been outside of, you know, us, the, the three of us shouting at you now, has the reception been pretty good? 
Yeah, we've gotten over 500 views on it so far. It's been shared around a bunch. We've had a lot of people tweeting at us. Um, and then also just, you know, it goes out there uh, via friends and family and then kind of six degrees of people hearing from people I maybe haven't talked to in a long time saying, hey, that was a really cool, useful guide. I'm glad that uh, you made it. I found something for my grandson or whatever the story is. My mom calls Facebook the grandma network. So she put it out there and it reached a lot of grandparents. Um, so I mean, she's not wrong. Nice. Yeah. She's not wrong. Definitely not wrong. Not wrong at all. <laughs> it's been really nice hearing a lot of the uh, warm reception. Good. That's a warm up for when you put out the bigger project and make, you know, get you ready for some of the press there. Obviously, you'll have to come on again when that comes out so we can talk about it even more. Um, so, Linda, I threw this at you and was like, hey, smart person. <laughs> I'm not smart. What do? And she was like, oh, I'll read this and I'll come up with some questions. So um, I'll sit back. Linda, why don't you guys talk, you know, like smart person and I'll just bask in the glow of the IQ. <laughs> wow, that was a high standard that just got put out there. Um, yeah, so I, since Steve sent it over to me, I've combed through it both for this but as through the lens of a parent and also the lens as a primary teacher. And just, there was just so much. It was a lot to go through. I can't even imagine you guys going through and culling through all the resources out there. Um, and that was really my first question. There's so much. There is just so much out there. Was there a strategy or a tool or a way that you honed in to find these and highlight these particular games? Because the pool out there is just daunting. So what was your approach to, to start to bring it down to from a zillion to 40? It was a lot of playing games, so not a downside there. Um, and we basically would boot up a game, and a lot of them we were able to curate just from links that we've been both honing. Uh, Ryan and I are both gamers at heart, and we're also both educators. So you know, I do work in a public school system in Baltimore City, represent. Um, but so I do, I'm constantly just throwing games onto a Google Doc, things that I can check out with my students. And so the way that we would do it is we would boot up a game. If the game had too many ads that it was just unbearable or there were technical issues right off the bat, or if it just wasn't fun, we would just scrap it. So if it's not going to engage me as an adult within the first two minutes, then it's not going to engage a child. So in that case, it was just gone. If the directions were way too complicated, that it even took an adult time to really, there was one game I played, I felt like I needed to look up a walkthrough for, like this can't, so no. that was, right. <laughs> it was also how we kind of came up with the um, guided, supported and independent play. We would think to ourselves, if I were a child playing this, how would I be able to approach it? What, what's the tutorial system like? And as we would go through the game, we would come up with um, not only the skills that it's addressing, but exactly how it's addressing those and what kind of mechanics it has that would engage children and learners. Wow, Total, that's a daunting task. <laughs> totally interrupting, but just I'm curious, do your kids know that you're a dork like us? Yeah. Do the students know? <laughs> I used to hide it. And then I would sometimes let it slip, but this year I looped with my children. So I taught fifth grade last year and I'm teaching sixth grade this year. So I have the same kids. So day one, they know, and they've been bugging me for my PSN name. 
and I usually tell the kids I'll give it to you on graduation day. Usually they forget, um, but I couldn't give it to any of them last year, so they're they've been waiting for this year, and now, you know, we're not together right now, so it's hard. But yeah. All right. Um. Okay. I I just wanted to. I just was curious. I didn't know if you were like out to your kids about your uh, nerdiness. Yeah, you have to really gauge the class you have because some years I get classes where they're just not into that, so I'll kind of keep that aside. But this year I have a really cool group of kids. We all give each other anime recommendations. It's wonderful. Oh, that's fun. That's gotta, extremely dorky, and I love it. You definitely got a <laughs> bunch. for it. Also, send me anime recommendations. Oh, I will. My kids will get you a list right off the bat. Perfect. Oh, that's fantastic. That's up there with the day about three months ago that I might have stopped my entire lesson because one of my students was writing about Avengers and he had something wrong and I had to stop and we had this whole discussion <laughs> and the poor paraprofessional in the room is like just looking at me like what what is this I don't understand these words you are saying it was really cute that's adorable and I love it so yeah we have some of those nerd moments too so Shall I do another question, yeah, Steve, or do you yeah. do something? No, I, I interrupted because I was curious as to the, that dynamic. I don't know. That, I like to think I would be able to keep my my dork flag from flying. Um, the people at my work have no idea at my day job. They have no idea about, like, the, the what corner of the dork forest I live in. Like, I think they suspect that, like, I play video games, but I don't think they have any idea how deep it goes. Wait until wait until LARPing happens again, and the the few of them have who have friended me on Facebook start seeing me tagged in pictures. Oh, boy. Um. Anyway, so, Linda, you Why know... Why wouldn't go, you just fly that high, dude? You got... As Carrie said, you gotta, you gotta read the room, and in some places, it is... I respectfully you you worked in games journalism for a bunch of years where all y'all people were a bunch of dorks my people uh so prior to that i also worked in an oil sands mine where i also let my dork flag fly you're a stronger you're a stronger human being than i am let me tell you about (laughs) there's a guy and i'm not even joking uh we had a whole thing because he was live streaming the masters on his on a laptop at his desk that is a golf tournament for those wondering uh, because he was very concerned about his scores and his bets and everything. So, like, that's the kind of office I'm in. He was calling. Yo, he was, listen, he's as much of a dork as me. He just won't admit it because he's dorky about something else. But I just don't want to, I just don't fight it. I just let it go. They know, they know that I, uh, that I am more progressive than they are. Oh, <laughs> and they also know. Clincher. And they Got also it. know. Um, I hold office hours where, like, for an hour during the day, they can ask me questions, and I've told them, I've explained to them all sorts of things like pronouns, and uh, what else did I explain once? Um, just like all sorts of stuff, like what you call someone if they if they if they're unsure of their pronouns. And I was like, well, you could use they. And it was like, it blew their minds. Like the top of their head just went and hit the ceiling. And I was like, guys, this isn't even that hard. Like that's a word in our language. So anyway, um, so yeah, no, they don't know that I'm a dork. I mean, they suspect it. It's not hard to tell if you look, but anyway, Linda, go ahead. You had more questions. I I do. So I'm going to really like, I'm going to do a deep cut with education. So I'm going to start, ask a standards question. Yeah. So. 
because you were looking at different skills and different criteria, I'm just curious, like there's all these standards out different, you know, Common Core and all these different things that are out there for national standards. Did those factor into some of what you were doing? Is aligning to standards something you have in the back of your mind? Or is that something that it's such a big thing, it's too much or it's too complicated? So our larger project has all of those standards built into that where we talk a little bit more about exactly where educators could put it into their curriculum, not only standards, but also where they could implement it. Is this a review game? Is it a, a pre-teach, a reteach, that kind of stuff. But for this guide, we really wanted it to be as parental user-friendly as possible. And you know, you hear a lot about parents not understanding new math. And we really just didn't want to scare anybody by putting anything like that in there and just making it as to the, to the bones of this is the skill that it practices and made it as simple as we could make it while still providing the comprehensive information. And that's Thank really you. great to know from the educator perspective that that's in the background. It's just, it, it makes sense not being in the parent document because you're absolutely right. It's, it is overwhelming. And especially with the Fire Nation attacking, parents are at the top right now. Everybody is just clawing their way to keep going and just get one foot in front of the other. So I and think confirm. that, yes, <laughs> I think every parent sitting in this, you know, Skype and listening to this is agreeing that it's just, it's so hard right now just to get one foot in front of the other and keep your sanity. So no, that makes perfect sense that it did not make it to this document. So I look forward to the larger document that is more educate educator speak so awesome. well, um, i would like to just also interject i am an advocate for new math whenever people throw up those really obnoxious linda has seen me do this uh, whenever people throw up the videos with the whiteboard and the person who doesn't understand what they're doing tries to just complain about it i always say no new math is good it's fine mm -hmm. and then i try new to math explain is definitely good but i am so dumb a lot of the time you're not dumb just you just weren't taught from the ground up like our yes. kids are. Mm -hmm. So our kids, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. so that's, that's it. You just feel dumb because you don't know. But once that's you know, true. you know. So, you know? And so, you know, you know. and so I do, <laughs> and I, I, I have weeded, I have waded into some dark, dark conversations on the internet defending new math. So I just want to let you know, saying it to a math teacher, I got you back. I got you I back. I appreciate that so much. Especially, I think the one thing parents don't always aren't comfortable with is that new math is really just a bridge to get to the old math. The end result is that we want them to be able to solve things the way that we all learned too. So parents at home, if your kid is trying to multiply and they're telling you it goes a different way, teach them the way you know, it'll work. Right. I explained to my first grade parents because it's, we're doing so much number breakdown and number concept building. And that's, I try to explain, like, when we learned, we learned an algorithm. Do this, do this, do this, you get your answer. Don't ask why, just do it. And now it's, I'm asking why so much more. And I think it blows parents away when I tell them that I, I will do a lesson and I will say to them, I don't want a number yet. Tell me your strategy. Mm -hmm. And it blows their mind that it's, there's so, so much, much to talk about. So much more valuable. It like is. that's legitimately so much more valuable because you're not creating these little mindless automatons. You're right. creating, you know, you're helping to shape the minds of children that are going to be able to think creatively and, and think laterally. Thinking. Yeah, yes. exactly. The strategy portion of this is enormous. And I'm, right. I'm really enjoying that approach um, as a parent. And I mean, 
The school system in Canada is a little bit different and it differs from province to province. So I, I barely got to experience it as a parent before I moved to the United States. But it has been really interesting to see how education has completely changed and for the better. Definitely for the better. It's so much more inclusive. It's so much more friendly to like, I would have really responded to that as a kid. I would have responded to the no, it's not an algorithm. It's not just rote memorization. It's actually a strategy. And I'm like, strategy? Go on. <laughs> you know, eight-year-old Amanda or whatever. Um, but instead, I was horrible at math because it was taught the same way to everybody. And I'm like, but my brain doesn't work like that. So I love this. Continue this nerdy talk. It is fascinating. I love it. Well, and this is where video games can really help. So there's one game on the guide called Mount Multiplus. Yes. And it, yeah, it really addresses the area model, which is just from my experience teaching fifth and sixth grade math, the area model is the one that in that third to fifth grade range, parents really seem to struggle with because to a parent who knows multiplication, the standard algorithm just makes sense. It works. But to a child, it's a really complicated skill. So Mount Multiplus really takes it, takes the area model and breaks it down so that it's nice and easy for the kids. And as Linda was saying, it breaks it down for them to be able to understand. It's not just looking for the answer. It's looking for how many groups of five are you making? How many groups of 10 are you making to really understand what multiplication is in order to be able to find that answer instead of just that memorization. Um, I would even encourage if there are parents out there who want to, you know, learn more about the area model. Uh, Mount Multiplus is a, an independent played game. You can just jump right into it, and it really does explain that skill to you. And yeah, it's on no, the I web. Yeah, no, that and was it's on the web so as learned by as linked to by the article that is also linked to in the show notes. All those links were fantastic too. I was going through and I don't have a Steam account. There's a few of the platforms that I don't have access to. I don't have an Android, I have an Android, not an Apple. So there were some things I couldn't get onto, but there's so much that are just web-based. So you can, you know, almost everybody can log on and get those. And very few of them you needed to sign into. A couple did, but most of them were just, you can just get right into it. Um, I love that you were using a couple of the bigger platforms like BrainPop and pulling out some of the really quality ones from that. Um, with those bigger platforms, I mean, there was a couple you had in from ABCA, you had some from BrainPop, um, you, you teased out some of the highlight ones. With those bigger platforms, what made you choose to highlight certain games within a bigger platform versus the bigger platform like you did with Starfall? It really just came down to if we felt like there was something that is so as educators, we know that there are certain skills that are commonly being taught during remote learning. Multiplication is such a core concept in so many grades in that intermediate uh, area. And it's also something that can be taught remotely, whereas some of the other skills such as geometry, if you don't have protractors in the homes, it's not really something you can do over remote learning. So a lot of schools are focusing on things like multiplication. So kind of pulling out those and being able to say like this game um, really targets a lot of the skills that many uh, schools are focusing on. Same thing with anything that was fluency based for the primary grades. We wanted to make sure that those really got highlighted. Okay. This was really neat because that was one of the first things as I'm going through, I'm like, oh, this is brain pop or, oh, you know, like, because I recognized a couple of the larger platforms. 
but I was floored with how many I'd never heard of. Um, you guys really pulled out some amazing choices. Now, of course, I'm not proficient with the older grade things anyway. I, my oldest is uh, in sixth grade now, but I mean, my brain's in primary. I've been teaching first grade for 18 years. Um, so I'm very much got that primary centric focus. Um, but it was just really interesting to see the choices of what you pulled out. With the upper grade things, obviously with middle and high school, you can really delve into uh, such rich content and really get in. And there's such a wide range of topics and content. Was there a special challenge with those older grade games to focus on because of the scope of what's taught and how broad it is? Yeah, what I found challenging for that is because I've always been so intermediate focused, I've always kind of taught in that third through sixth grade range. There were some higher level content things where I had to even just phone in a friend and say, all right, can you explain this immunity game to me? Because I'm going through and, and that also allowed me to be able to get a better idea of uh, tagging it based on supported or independent or guided because as somebody who hasn't taken any higher level biology since high school or college myself, then it kind of gave me a chance to say, okay, well, what is this tutorial system like? How is it teaching someone who may not have as much prior knowledge or limited prior knowledge? So being able to look through that lens, but that was definitely a challenge for me is working outside of my comfort zone. And, and with primary as well, I definitely felt like I needed to, um, think in a different lens when I looked at the primary things to say, okay, well, what would a kindergartner be able to do independently and how helpful is this to a kindergartner? Yeah. That's such, it's such a huge range looking at that whole spectrum of, of education like that. All right, Steve or Amanda, did you, uh, those were my big questions. Did you guys have anything else to throw out there? Yes. I always Yay. have questions, but Yay. Steve, if you have questions, Oh, I've talked plenty. You're the you're so so Linda's the teacher. I am the dude who yells into a microphone. You're the actual journalist. So why don't you ask the questions? And I'm I have some things that I'm going to say, but I'll 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 go later. Okay. So I'm really I'm really interested in the rubric that you used to determine, you know, which games go where and why like the classification to me is just really really interesting i know we talked about it from a standards perspective let's talk about it from a data perspective how did you like what were some of the biggest challenges that you encountered when organizing the data and having to categorize it and classify it into its various taxonomies um so one of the big things is flash games so in our larger project that we're working on we're actually not going to be including flash games because they are not going to be supported for that much longer. But during this pandemic happening right now and flash is still being supported, we might as well use it because it is yeah. the most accessible. Yeah. I, I worry what's going to happen to games because that's a large majority of educational games out there for teachers yeah. to be able to just jump on. I have a feeling that what will end up happening is we'll see a lot of these flash games move into HTML5 because HTML5 is accessible across a number of platforms. I used to be a web developer, so I remember, you know, coding in ActionScript and then having to move that into HTML5. So I feel this deeply uh, that flash is starting to go the way of the dodo, not the way of the fun dodos, 
<laughs> in Animal Crossing, but the way of the, the dodo that is not actually, you know, existing anymore, IRL. So, yes, I... I agree. I think that that is a that's a big question mark. And if they're not if they're not being supported, like I know ST Math is a big one that that my daughter uses when she's learning math, and that's a flash site. So hopefully, if it's still being supported, they are actively thinking ahead and they're looking towards releasing an H on an HTML5 platform, which means it's fully cross browser compatible and it's cross platform compatible. It can be played pretty much anywhere, as opposed mm -hmm. to just sitting on your computer. So. Mm -hmm. Continue. Oh, uh, we also tried to make sure that we had a lot of variety. As Linda mentioned, there's a big variety in accessibility among families. So mm -hmm. making sure that we had a certain number of Android games, a certain number of iPhone and iPad games, uh, a certain number of web-based games. And then we really tried to hit things that were also on consoles. So some of my personal favorites on there, uh, Human Resource Machine and Scribblenauts. The two of those are available on almost everything. So it's yeah. almost impossible to not be able to access it. And they're both the just such- not rules. Yes, I rules love so it. so hard. It's so good. Agreed. Um, and Human Resource Machine too, if you haven't had a chance to play it, it's- Yeah, it's made by um, Tomorrow Corporation, which is the same company that did World of Goo. And I think they did World of Goo. Oh, yeah. And and My Little Inferno, which was a wacky, uh, fun puzzle game. But it's Human Resource Machine is a coding game. So it's very quirky, it's very fun, and it really puts you in, you start working in an HR department, and they have you doing busy work, and so you're trying to find ways to make it faster. So you start to eventually do loops and procedures and kind of program the little... Uh, employee bots. That's Little Inferno is quietly one of the darkest video games ever released. It, and it, fun fact, Amanda, have you ever played Little Inferno? I have not. I've heard of it, but I've never played it. Dude. Dude, is Little it another Infer game that was made for me? No, I mean, maybe. No, the, the thing, so Little Inferno, Linda, are you familiar with Little Inferno? No, I don't know so, Little Inferno. So fun fact, <laughs> this is one of Meggie's favorite games. Um... So Little Inferno, um, the Little Inferno is a toy that is delivered to children. And the Little Inferno, is, they live in a world that is uh, an eternal winter. And in order to keep warm, you have to burn your toys. And so it's very <laughs> dark. And so the idea is dark. you have your toys and you throw them into the fire and then you can click on them and then they burn. And the idea is there are challenges where you're trying to make specific combinations. Um, and so it's a lot of wordplay and puns and like puzzle solving. And as you complete each catalog, they give you another one. Um, and as you, you know, burn stuff, it gives you virtual, you know, it gives you currency. And then eventually you buy all the stuff and then you find out what's really happening. But yeah, so it's very like, it's very Tim Burton dark mm -hmm. it sounds um, like it and so and isn't human resource machine carrie is they're in the same universe correct human resource machine and little inferno they're in the same canonical universe yeah there's some sort of connection in terms of the storytelling there yeah this and it the, has a lot of the same humor yeah that game that company is really weird uh man i'm shocked that you haven't played little inferno um i don't know <clears throat> Excuse me. I can't play everything, man. Like, 
you know how many games I have? Just um, in my cabinet? I do know. I have seen. I've been to your home. I actually have seen that cabinet. You have a lot of video games. Trust me. It's just a surprise to me that you hadn't played that. Um, so the okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Coughing on myself. So okay. So in your um, in this book, basically that you wrote, um, <laughs> there are with all these different. You know, obviously. Th- they can be broken up into the three categories, right? Um, so what is your favorite among each of those categories? Primary, intermediate, and secondary. Ooh. That I'm going to make, make you choose favorites. I'm a hype yeah. monster, so I, I'm um, going to make I you make the tough decisions. I can definitely make the tough decisions, but it's tough because there's just so many good ones out there. Um, so I won't mention Scribblenauts and Human Resource Machine again because I already did. Um, for intermediate, I'm going to say two, uh, they're my personal favorites that I use in my classroom. So prodigy, if you haven't heard of it, um, it's, it's a really popular one. So a lot of teachers use it. A lot of kids are on it, but it's basically Pokemon with math. So the kids get, they play a wizard, they run around and take quests from NPCs. There are seasonal things. It's got some MMO type uh, elements to it. They get a little home base they can decorate and there's creature collecting. But what's cool is when they get into the turn-based battles with the creatures, they have to solve a math problem. And when it pulls up the math problem, it has all of these really uh, interactive resources for them. So if they are still using the area model, they can pull over bars that allow them to put uh, a model together. If they're doing something with fractions, there are fraction bars that they can pull over. So it's really wonderful. And if they're a higher level learner, they can just put the answer in and go. And what's really great is if they get the math problem correct, they their attack will hit. If they get it wrong, they miss. And as gamers, we all know, if you miss enough, your character's gonna die. You're not gonna get the experience. You won't level up or get the loot. So they're really incentivized in order to get the answers, which is really a wonderful thing. I love that it's got the digital tools at their fingertips, too. A lot of things, a lot of platforms don't have something right there for them. And especially because a lot of standardized testing nowadays has it built in there. So this gives them the practice to use that. Um, And another, because I am an intermediate person at heart, I am going to choose two. I'm sorry, (laughs) I need to choose one. But my other favorite would be Lightbot. It's another coding game, and it's just so well done. The first time I ever played it, I thought, oh, I'll just get this done by driving in the car. We were driving up to visit family, and I played it the entire three-hour car ride. I just couldn't put it down. Um, Secondary and primary are a little harder for secondary, I would say Argument Wars. It's part of the iCivics game hub, which if uh, anybody hasn't checked them out, they have a lot of really higher level thinking games that target some really complicated things in government and political issues. And Argument Wars was just a lot of fun for me because it puts you up against um, another a defendant that you're um, going against in a court of law. And you have to be pulling evidence out of the Constitution and saying, this is why my argument is correct. And it really hones in for learners pulling evidence out of the text in such a fun and engaging way. And then it becomes a deck builder, which is my favorite type of game. And so it's a lot of fun. 
That one looked really interesting. I started to tinker with that. I didn't get very far, so it didn't get to the point where you had to cite the evidence. But knowing that it delves so deeply into that, and I mean, that's huge. Again, stating your reason, explaining your thinking, that is such a huge focus that we're insisting upon. And it's so important. So that's really cool that Argument Wars encourages that and it requires that as part of the gameplay. How neat. So yeah, um, I also thought it was great. Yeah. Um, and I'll do primary. Sorry that I kind of went out of order because I, I just went with my favorites. Well, that makes um, sense. That's where your brain lives. <laughs> if you're an intermediate teacher, your brain lives in the intermediate realm. I totally understand. It's There's really a reason sad. Steve keeps sending me games for five-year-olds because my brain is so trained to look at it from that perspective with the little guys. So I completely mm -hmm. understand. So for primary, I would say that my favorite is Slice Fractions. Um, it's it really does a great job of explaining the beginnings of fractions for, for little guys. Um, I know that fractions are now taught as young as first grade. Am I correct, Linda? We've actually been teaching first fractions in first grade for, oh, almost as long as I've been teaching, but we only were doing one half, one fourth, one third. That's it. So learning yeah. equal parts and just really setting that foundation. So they do get exposed to it and they have been for a long time, but the, as the rigors come up, uh, we still are keeping to very, very simple fractions for primary, but it's, it definitely ramps up. I think second grade is where they start delving a whole lot deeper and a whole lot more rigorously at this point. Yeah, and it can be a really tough um, skill for students to understand. And we always, as teachers, use the same analogies of pizza being cut into slices and pies being cut into slices, but it still doesn't really give them that real world engagement. So Slice Fractions does a really good job. It's very cartoony. It's got woolly mammoths in it. It's very bright and colorful. So it really uh, catches the attention of the younger guys, but it uh, you have to use the slices in order to cut the ice age blocks in half or in quarters or in thirds. Um, so that would probably be my favorite primary one. Oh, very cool. I'll have to check that one out. That was one one of the ones on my list to go back to because it wasn't a web-based game. So I'll have to pull that up and, and check that one out. Yeah, it's always harder when it requires some sort of device. But that's not necessarily an obstacle. Thankfully, we're getting, the technology is getting better with it being a lot more tablets, a lot more accessibility, um, even in the school settings. So once we can get back in those classrooms, once yeah. we defeat the Fire Nation. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, Carrie, this has been an you know an awesome uh, episode of our show. I'm so glad that you were willing to take the time. We're obviously going to have to have you on more frequently, and it sounds like we're going to have to have you on a board game episode at some point because that's one thing I did not know from investigating your Twitter uh, that you were that you like fit in with us a lot. So, um, thank you so much. Again, I can't, you know, this is, it's always great to find like-minded individuals that like some of the same stuff that we do. Um, so yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been amazing. It's been really great getting to know you nerds. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, we're going to have to have you come back. So we'll talk about that off the air because, you know, this has been, you know, a wildly entertaining evening. Um, Unfortunately, while we were talking, Amanda's internet died. So uh, she sends her best to, bo to both of you and to me and to all of our listeners. Um, but 
uh, Linda and Carrie, would you guys believe that that was episode 219 of the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast? That's bananas. I know. I've been doing this for a long time, and no one has stopped me yet. So um, next week is a board game week. I know we did things out of order, but part of that, like I said, we wanted to get carry on here as quickly as possible. But also, uh, it just so happens that we have a returning guest. The board game librarian is coming on next week. That's Jen Bartlett, who is part of the Dice Tower Network. Uh, She will be joining us to talk about her crusade to get board games into libraries. Uh, And it's a crusade that she is handily winning, by the way. (laughs) Until then, I have one favor to ask. Everyone listening to this show knows one person at least, who needs to hear this show. They may not know they need to hear this show, but you know them. Uh, do whatever it takes. Send them, uh, you know, work, fancy math word problems with Engage Family Gaming and the code. I don't know. Just whatever it takes. Get it out to them uh, because more listeners means a bigger audience and bigger guests, etc., etc., etc. So, everybody, I hope you have a great week. We will see you soon. And until next time, be sure to safely get your family game on. Bye now. Music for the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast is Android Sock Hop by Kevin McLeod and audio production by Six Pack Nerds Productions.